from ABC News Radio, KMET, 1490 in Southern California. This is Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with your host, Tyler Jorgensen. All right, I want to welcome everybody out to Biz Ninja Radio here on ABC News Radio. And I have a really cool guest today, someone who I'm excited to learn about and learn his journey. Uh, we have Gary Brackett former linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, but now starting something really cool and legendary at a restaurant called Stacked Pickle. Welcome out to the show, Gary. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So I love talking with professional athletes turned professional entrepreneurs because I think that there's something about that level of success and self-discipline from being an athlete at that level that translates into being a successful entrepreneur. Why don't you give us a little bit of... um, kind of a quick background on your journey from pro athlete to entrepreneur. Was that just a natural thing for you? Yeah. Um, I think it was natural in the fact that, um, my whole life, I mean, I've been entrepreneur from okay. uh, cutting grass as a kid, shoveling snow, shelling, uh, I was from New Jersey. So Reed's water ice was big. So we would buy the tub of water ice and then sit across the street from apartment complex and sell it on the weekend. Right. So, I've always been an entrepreneur. So like you said, playing in the NFL, I felt like there was a bunch of transferable skills. You know, the discipline that it, that it takes to play at that level um, is enormous. And I tell people at the times, in my case in particular, uh, I was a nine-year player. I, I was a captain on the team uh, for six years of those nine years. So won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl loss. Uh, in fact, um, our team, the Colts, in the 2000 eras was the most winningest team in any decade of football. Wow. And for me, I was, the, uh, I was a defensive linebacker and also the, uh, the captain. So I tell people um, I wasn't a football player. I was a chief defensive officer. Um, <laughs> so, you know, being out of business, 100, 200 employees, and I'm one of the guys making a lot of decisions, uh, making sure the engine is going. So a lot of those skills transferred over to football. And I think restaurants as the ultimate team sport. Interesting. I, I want to dissect that a little bit because there's a lot of really important, you know, pieces and nuggets in there. So let's back up a little bit, you know, growing up in Jersey and hustling the way you were. And then you have a, you had a legendary career as a, as a football athlete. I mean, most football players would, I mean, your career is what they wish, right? Right. Play for nine years for a major team, win a Super Bowl, go to the Super Bowl at all. You go, you went twice, and then you know being able to be a leader on that. But you weren't drafted, and I love that that about your story, right? Cool. Because that shows that your your tenacity and your ability to you know stay optimistic in face of you know maybe not the perfect journey. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you were uh, signed as an undrafted free agent, right? Yeah, and then even better, um, it's funny. I have a book. Um, that were actually turned into a movie. So that's totally never oh, awesome. Uh, but winning is in the side of the book. Yeah, so I also was a, a walk-on in college as well. I was just one of those kids that, you know, never took no for an answer. Um, and I was stubborn about my goals, which was to play in the NFL. And for me, it was by any means necessary. So not getting a scholarship into college initially, then not getting drafted into the NFL, um, what it just meant for me, I just had to work harder. And I got no problem rolling my sleeves and working hard. Um, and as you mentioned, the NFL is a cutthroat business. You know, it's, it, we always kid the NFL stands for not for long, 
Uh, they have careers, about three years, three and a half years. Uh, so to play for nine, it was a dream come true. But I was because of all the hard work, all the discipline. And, and I always would say when I play, you know, I'm a 5'10", 230-pound uh, human. And I would always say that I play from the neck up. You know, I watch film. I study great players. I understood the game. Um, and it's no different than what I'm doing now. Um, you know, there's a bunch of literature on restaurants. There's a bunch of literature on franchising. And I'm doing the exact same thing, just being a student of the game. And I understand that the, the amount of time it took for me to be successful in football is the same amount of time it, it allows me to be successful outside of the game. So I'm willing to put in that work. And, I, you know, I want to be great at what I do now. That's really – that's awesome. And so, you know, you, you're willing to – I love the concept of playing from the neck up and right. really understanding the intelligence behind the game. I've, I've found that people who have – that are good – like at, a, at an average or above average level, but not exceptional level of physicality can become great by training and training their mind and training their brain and learning how to, uh, how to, you know, manipulate their body and do even greater things. I think some of the greatest athletes out there are the ones who focus on their mind first. And I think, you know, that's how business is. Oftentimes the people who are the most successful aren't necessarily the most purest, rawest talents. Sure. They just have learned to be focused and disciplined and you know follow proven things of what works and look for the opportunities really the core yeah, and, basic. and not give up right i mean yeah. so many people that are successful that are talented you know either gave up or, or never you know went after their dream because you know they were scared so i think it really takes guts you know it takes a lot of hard work and and, and that willingness to to be brave being an entrepreneur is definitely about being brave right um realize you're the last to eat but you know right your portion is usually the largest. So you, um, you know, you come out of the NFL, amazing career. And, uh, you wanted, you, one of the things you wanted to do in turn, continue training your mind, you went, uh, and you got an MBA. So mm-hmm. just like showing yourself, you know, showing the world, you're, you're not just talking about this concept, right? You went and got more education. And then is, is the stack pickle, was this your first entrepreneurial thing coming out of uh, professional sports or have you done other things too? Yeah, it was my first uh, uh, thing. And, and going back to George Washington University uh, in D.C., getting my MBA, I think for me, it was all about sharpening the saw, right? I feel like everyone has this toolbox, you know, that they have uh, uh, access to. But for me, for the longest time, I only used one tool, which was the hammer, right? So I was just banging, banging my head, banging my head. Um, so going back to school, I feel like I was able to sharpen the saw, sharpen some other tools that's in my toolbox, kind of use in my business endeavors. Um, and for me, the stack pickle was an opportunity, um, you know, for me in Indianapolis was to monetize my brand. You know, people, they knew me, they liked me, but how do I get paid off of that, right? Walking around shaking hands does not pay bills. So for me, right. um, understanding the business mindset behind it, and initially I was a silent partner and I had a guy who was doing a lot of the work and then we would communicate on new locations. Um, but then I had the opportunity to purchase the brand three years ago and we really just got got the ball and, and started running with it. Oh, interesting. So when you started, it was um, it was you know kind of a, just a silent investment idea. And now you're hands on, you know, getting your rolling up those sleeves like you said you don't mind doing. Right. Um, and now you're looking at a bigger picture. So uh, you know, you started seven years ago. Uh, sure. Three years ago, you get more involved. How many locations do you guys have now? So we now have nine locations. Um, looking forward to opening our tenth here. Hopefully by September, I always try to get uh, stores open by before football season, fantasy draft. Uh, football, obviously, a huge time of year for a sports bar. Right. 
imagine. But yeah, but then um, we just started franchising, uh, what was it, about three months ago and had two or three people come in for discovery days, learn about the brand, learn about the concept. So very much looking forward to growing a brand through franchising. Um, I had one other professional athlete come out and I'm really just trying to teach people, you know, how, how, how to make money for themselves, how to own their own brand uh, and what is required of them in order for them to be successful in it. You know, franchising is an interesting thing because, you know, restaurants, a tough business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, you know, sometimes there's a joke that there's two great ways to lose money, you know, open a restaurant or just drive down the street and throw money out the window. But the concept of a franchise is that they've taken some of that learning curve and they've shortened it up, right? It's kind of like they've watched a bunch of tape for you. And yeah, now yeah. they're saying, Hey, here's the summary. Here's the proven model. You know, here's what's going to work. Um, and so you're able to, you know, theoretically reduce a lot of risk by saying, Hey, these are the things that work. Here's the policy and procedure. Here's how the food gets made. Here's the system. Um, and so you're able to transplant that proven system to some, a franchisee, right. And someone coming in. One of the things that you guys pride yourself on is legendary customer service. What is legendary customer service? And like, how are you guys actually, you know, is that just so many people say they have great customer service, but really they, you know, it's not really a part of their culture. How are you guys making that a part of your culture that's transferable and that can scale? Yeah. So for, for us, it's all about being that neighborhood, that neighborhood sports uh, bar and grill. Right. And I think um, our goal is to be three to five mile radius and like own that market. So one thing, our general manager is going to be involved in the community. Right? We preach local store marketing and getting out in the community and all the athletic fields and everything else and having a relationship there. And, having, and that's where we spend a lot of our sponsorship dollars. Right? We don't go after large billboards our commercials, we want you in, in your community spending money inside your community. Right. Usually that in turn, uh, have them come back inside the house. And then in terms of um, inside the team, like I said, I've been on championship teams. So I know how to build a culture inside of a team. And that's the same inside of a restaurant um, with the type of learning tools and respect. Um, we have digital training programs that our service go on and they understand our menu. Um, then they understand how to take care of the guests. We want you to come right. in, and we want little Johnny in a baseball uniform. You want to engage, and how many hits did you have? Did right. you hit a home run, right? And having the flexibility to come out, bring him a cookie pie um, a, a, as a present. So having that type of relationship in your community, I feel like does uh, a lot well for other concepts where you know they have name tags on and they could care less. You're just a number. They just want to burn and turn tables. Where well, we don't, we want to engage with our with our guests and have them come back, um, you know, and become reckless. Oh, that's awesome. So I think that is something that a lot of businesses lose, especially when they begin franchising is they lose that personal touch, the, mm-hmm. the um, plug into the community, right? So they, they think, well, we'll just be, a, we'll be, we're a part of the community simply by being present. And, and yeah. I like that you're talking about, no, you're going to reach out. You're going to, you know, probably court, you know, coordinate stuff with the local high schools and really be active as a part of the community. I think that um, that gets lost in a lot of today's businesses, right? Where they're no longer uh, wanting to really be actively involved. And I think that's a, that's a great concept that you guys are doing. Where, what's your guys' goals for, the, for Stacked Pickle over the next five, 10 years? Yeah, so I have like a franchise business plan. <clears throat> so we, we, we want to sign four franchises this year, six next year, and probably six, you know, for the next few years after that. Uh, in addition to that, corporate stores, we're probably going to open up anywhere from one to three, uh, depending on the franchise and the support. And it all comes down to human human capital. 
right? Right, um, right. You know, you grow as fast as the people on your team are prepared to grow. Yeah. Uh, so never want to lose sight of that and just grow just for the sake of growing sure. and not, not a good product. So being conscious of that, but I feel like on the franchise side, we can do a much better job of, you know, for a franchisee, you know, we need a couple people at the corporate office, three, four people to open up my own stores, 40 to 50 people. Right. So it's just a, a different model in terms of scale. Um, so I, I really think in the next, you know, five years, we could have 30, 40 restaurants um, really be considered one of the premier sports, neighborhood sports bars in the nation. Very cool. And so you guys right now, uh, everything is based around Indianapolis. Where are you guys looking to grow to? Yeah, so we had conversations with a gentleman from Ohio. Um, okay. Ohio is very similar market than us, Midwest. Um, then actually another gentleman from Tampa Bay. I think there's a lot of transplants from the Midwest down there in Florida. Um, I, I, I hope to be in Florida at some point in my adult life. But yeah, so I think, um, you, you know, it's a sports bar. It's TVs, it's cold beer, it's service. Um, there's wraps, there's salads. So it's really uh, something on our menu for everyone. So I really think that we can really play well in a lot of communities. Very cool. And so, you know, I want to, we'll come back and kind of loop in more of what you're doing now. Um, I want to talk a little bit through your career and how I think your career is, is part of what helped develop you, right? And, and allow you to start doing and having the tenacity and, and the optim or the, the goals about what you're building now. And so um, tell me, we talked about how you, you fought your way and you, you know, you, you walked on um, to college and then you, you signed as an undrafted free agent and your first couple of years with the Colts, you were a backup. How did you fight your way to being from, a, you know, back up to being a starter and, and becoming the team captain? Tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I, I, I go by the model, act as if, right? So act as if whatever you want to be. So if I always wanted to be the captain, I wanted to be the leader, I wanted to be the starter, I, that doesn't start the day when you get named the starter, right? It gets, it gets for me, it got started the day that I got, you know, to Indianapolis and become a member of the Indianapolis Colts. And it just through my practice habits, during practice, outside of practice, through my film study, through my efforts in the weight room. So everything I did, my mind was prepared to be the start. Um, and I think as soon as the opportunity came, you know, I took it and ran with it. And, and it wasn't something that was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that I, I'm out here with all these other guys. You know, I was like, no, this is my purpose. I should be out here and I'm going to show you how it's done. So I think having that mentality is act as if you want to be the CEO of the company, you know, act as the CEO. Right. You know, dress like the CEO, right. the CEO, read books like you're a CEO. Right. So that mentality that, you know, if you're going to do something, you have the ability to get it done. But you first have to convince yourself in your mind before it becomes a reality. I do think it's interesting. It's always fun watching, you know, right after, you know, the draft is finished and you start mm -hmm. seeing all these young college kids show up on onto the pro team and get starstruck by people yeah. that are now their peers and teammates. But in their mind, they're still like, Oh my gosh, that I'm I'm sitting in the same locker room and the, and so that's a hard balance to have the humility but still act as if. Now, a big thing that I noticed and kind of look into your career is 2003 you signed. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as if life was perfect at that time. You got hit with a massive amount of adversity. How did you overcome that adversity and still keep that act as if mindset up? Yeah, that's a great question. Um and it's tough, you know, um I think it's documented in, in, in my book also winning um, from Walk on the Captain of Football in Life. But um, I lost my father that October during the season. Uh, that February, um, I lost my mother 
Um, at the same time, my brother was diagnosed with cancer, and I lost him 12 months later. So in an 18-month time span, I lost my father, my mother, and my brother. And it was some very, you know, dark times for me, um, just losing that many members of your core family group. Um, it was really challenging. But for me, my mom always told me, you know, that you're a blessing to continue to bless others and to take advantage of your opportunities. And I always believed in the way you honor the dead is how you live. And, you know, at some point in my life, I was like, man, I, sh I just want to, you know, go home and cry and mourn. And everyone's like, you know, you have every reason to give up right now. I mean, your world has been shattered. But then there was the other side is like, no, you have every reason to live every day like it's going to be a last right. because life is so precious. So that's when I act as if my mentality really just continued to thrive. It's just like tomorrow's not promised for you. And if you had opportunity and you didn't take it, then shame on you, right? Have no regrets. Like I'm sure my brother wishes he had more life right now. So how can you care or, 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 or complain about your legs being sore, right? Or about right. it being challenging or about you having to overcome adversity, right? Um, so it was just like, so what now what? And then for me, it was just like, all right, let me continue to honor these folks. Um, and really, I feel like they're angels looking down on me. And every day of my life is really glorifying them. There's an article I read once a long time ago called The Cheering Section. And mm -hmm. it talks about all those people that have gone before us that are now cheering for us to live the best life possible for us sure. that we can do, right? And so you, you rallied through that cheering section of yours. And, you know, I think it's really inspirational that you fought through that and chose instead of allowing your mourning to tear you down, you allowed it to build you up. And wow. I think that's uh, that's really a remarkable thing. And and um, you've got your in two thousand nine, you were given the uh, Arthur Arcus Humanitarian Award, and that just shows you kept focusing on giving back and kept showing you know on 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 contributing to others. And I think it sounds like you learned that from your mother and have continued to do that. How are you um, keeping that legacy alive now? Yeah. So we, um, in 2007, uh, we started the impact foundation um, and our impact foundation. Um, it deals with children with critically and chronically illnesses uh, right here in Indianapolis. And uh, we're touched the lives over 200,000 residents of Indiana. Um, and for my mother, we just had it about two weeks ago. My wife, um, who's a doctor, she was a, a chair of the event, and it was a mother's tender heart luncheon. When we invited about 75 mothers into the restaurant and gave them a champagne brunch just to, in, uh, in honor of them and what they do to sacrifice for their families. Um, so for me, like I said, I continue to give back. That's a part of my long-term plan. It's part of my DNA. And it's amazing. I mean, sometimes, you know, I book something out six months in advance. Um, then a the day comes, I'm like, oh, I got so much other work. I wish I wouldn't have booked it. And then I go through the event and I'm just like, man, I need to do this. You right? I'm giving back to them, but in return, they're giving back to me because I'm seeing how fortunate I am and I'm seeing, you know, what my impact is on others. So I'm just, you know, moved to continue to, uh, to be out there and be involved in the community. That's, uh, that's cool. I like that idea of, of uh, just, and you're right. Sometimes we commit to something and in the moment we're busy, but right. uh, I think when we, and I think that's that, uh, the war of art. If you've ever read that book, right. We hit the resistance, right. Every once in a while when we're supposed to be doing something great, that's when it seems like it's the hardest to just take the first step. But once you build that momentum, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, you're coming back, you're, you're the last few years, you've been really involved at stacked pickle and growing that business. 
Um, you've got great plans over the next few years for growing the franchise model. I mean, it sounds like you've got some really good interest building there already. Um, what would be your advice? Uh, let's hit two pieces of advice. Okay. okay. Your advice to that young athlete who's trying mm-hmm. to make up his mind of what he's going to do. And then also that advice to that young entrepreneur who's trying sure. to figure out what he wants to do. And maybe they're the same. Yeah. Um, so I kind of live by this quote, right? And, and, and it might be the same. So it uh, goes, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And, you know, as a young athlete, there's going to be a bunch of talented players out there. And at some point in time, whether it's college or in the NFL, everyone's level of talent is going to be just about the same. And what separates the greats is their hard work. Right. I played with Peyton Man, arguably one of the greatest quarterback of all time. And people will think, well, he's talented. Yeah, he was talented. He was six five. He had a father that played in the NFL. But I haven't seen anyone who worked and prepared as hard as he did. And on the business business front is the same way. Um, it's not gonna be easy, it's gonna be challenging. Um, people are gonna be talented, they're gonna have silver spoons in their mouths, <laughs> they're gonna come from families that affords them the ability to make up make mistakes and recover. Um, and that might not be you, but so what? It still has been done before. And if you're willing to put in the work, take on the conferences, go to the networking events, right? Maybe intern, maybe make nothing just so you can learn how to do something. If you want to put in that work, right, that's the greatest equalizer there is, is hard work. So if you want to get through that and get that done, then the, then the world is your oyster. Anything is possible. So across platforms, whether it's sports or business or entrepreneurship, it, it really comes down to working hard. And I think you'd agree that working hard with intent, right? Sometimes yeah, yeah. we all know those guys that they may be hustling, but they're right. hustling doing all the wrong stuff because maybe they're not actually listening. They're not coachable, but they hustle. You right. know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think John Wooten uh, said it best. He said, uh, never mistake uh, activity with achievement, right? It, it's working hard, but working your plan, right? What's your, what's your plan? I right? see. You yeah. have mentors. So it, it's like it's working hard, but it's also working smart. And I see that a lot with, with small business owners, especially. I think to me, that's one of the key differentiators between a small business owner and an entrepreneur sure. is exactly that. A small business owner is often uh, very, very active, right. but not necessarily achieving and, uh, and actually working, right? And then they're yeah. just staying busy. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of that employee mentality of just being busy all the time to, and, uh, and feeling good about it. Hey, I had a big checklist. Yeah, right? yeah. But, but it's amazing, right? Because, you know, I look at what are you good at doing, right? And what is the cost for you to do everything else? Right. And you hire someone to handle that cost and you go do what you're good at and make 10 times, right? So it's this whole model of opportunity cost that you have to learn, understand the grass and really figure out like, all right, where's my time best served at? Uh, and where am I more profitable at? And so a lot of times, you know, um, I defer stuff and delegate um, just because my time is best built building a business, looking at the vision, uh, interviewing franchisees, looking at different things for three years, four years from now, um, and not dealing with this HR issue that came up, right? Right. I want to be informed, but I don't necessarily have to be the one to deal with. You know, and that comes back to being able to lead a team, which is Mm -hmm. one of your core points. And so when you're building this team and it takes, you said, you know, to open and run a good restaurant, it takes like 40 people. Sure. Um, How do you make sure that you, uh, one, maintain and, and, maintain your leadership position, right? Where you're not getting just in there becoming the bottle washer and the cook and the, and sure. the HR manager. And then two, and how are you inspiring each person to be their best self in that role? Yeah. So we have constant, um, 
communications and meetings uh, throughout the week and throughout the month and make sure we check in and give you the tools that you need to be successful. And I always tell people when I go inside the restaurants, I'm there to visit with our guests. I'm there to talk to employees and shake hands and high fives, but I'm not there to manage, right? I didn't buy a job. I brought a business. And a lot of times when I go in, um, I still lead through my managers. So if I see a behavior that needs to be corrected, I'm not the one that's going to correct it. I'm going to talk to the manager and have them correct it. So when I'm going inside the store, that manager has the respect. And, you know, he's the voice inside the restaurant. Despite over the fact that I'm the owner, he's still the voice that you need to listen to. That makes sense. And so part of it is part of being a good leader is remembering that there's an, that you've created an organizational chart, right? Like sure, yeah. it's amazing how many times I've seen some leaders not, they, you know, they, they set everything up, they have it all set up and then they, they ruin it by like knocking over their own dominoes, right. And yeah, jumping yeah. And, and wanting to be the fixer and, you know, everyone has a position, right. And you got to be yeah, able to play yeah. that position at your best level. And, and it's tempting to do that, right? But it's short term, right? And I'm, and you have to look at the long term. You know, what are the long term ramifications of you getting involved in an HR issue at store number one? Everyone's going to think, okay, you know, Gary's interested in our drama. Let's call him every time two employees are bickering. Like, no, that's not yeah. my job. You have a GM, you have assistant managers, go right. to the chief command, and then they'll communicate with me and we'll make sure we take care of it. So I want to hit one more of your statistics because I think this is fascinating, right? 707 tackles, sure. right? You were good at what you did. Four sacks. And this one, this one though, is my favorite. One defensive touchdown. Yeah. Do you remember that touchdown? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's funny. I think I had maybe two. Okay. I remember uh, interception I ran for a touchdown. Um, that was my first season against the Broncos. Um, so it was like a rookie out there, not knowing what I'm doing. I jump around because I don't care. I catch an interception and I skirt off for 79, I mean, 29 yards. So that was awesome. But a fumble recovery, um, I got in Houston against the Texans. It was, a, it was an epic comeback. We're down 21 points in the fourth quarter. And uh, uh, Rosen, Rosenfeld, he did the helicopter. I don't know if you remember this play, but someone hit, hit him in the air. He flips in the air and fumbles the ball. I pick it up and run 79 yards. I still think I'm tired from running <laughs> that fast. But yeah, it, it, was a, uh, it was a fun time for sure. You know, and I think the reason I wanted to bring that up is because we just got done talking about how important it is to play your position. Right. But sometimes you got to be ready for whatever opportunity comes your way. Sure. Right. You were not hired and, and paid to score touchdowns. No. You were, you, were, you were hired to stop the other team from scoring. But sure. when the opportunity came, you better take it, right? Yeah. And uh, go ahead. It's funny, right? Because for me saying delegate out, right? For me saying hybrid organization doesn't mean you don't need to know what this person does, right? Or you shouldn't learn to be well-versed in what everyone's uh, responsibility is, right? Because it may be a point where you're handing the ball and you need to run with it, right? right? And And that's the opportunity where an interception, you hand the ball, like you said, it's not my job. But still, like, I could do this, right? Um, I, I know how to lead. So kind of having that whatever-it-takes mentality. Absolutely. And I, and I, I think the whatever-it-takes mentality is what this all boils down to, right? Mm-hmm. Because in business and in entrepreneurship and in sports, in the end, you've got to do whatever it takes to get to, get to your goals, you know? And so I want to uh, – one of the questions that I've asked my guests for a long time, because I think that business and entrepreneurship – is all about creating the life that we want. 
And uh, I know, I mean, uh, you and your wife have three kids. I've got four kids, right? It's all, and and we want to build a life for them. What is one major thing on your bucket list that you're going to accomplish here in the next 12 months? Wow. The next 12 months bucket list. Um, you know what? And and this is going to be awesome. It lose to the, the book winning um, that, I, that I keep on referencing. Um, so my book is getting made in a movie. And uh, we're in uh, June 10th and 11th. I'm going out to L.A. to shoot a teaser uh, to raise money to then um, have the shoot next year in my hometown of Glasgow, New Jersey. Um, so that was a bucket list when I wrote the book some seven, eight years ago that, you know, I wanted to make it a movie. And, and not for me being selfish, I want a movie about my life. I just think just because of the adversity I dealt with, just because of my mentality of whatever it takes and getting that done and, and showing people that, yeah, you can work hard and you can overcome a lot of adversity. Um, I think it's going to help some people. So I'm, I'm, I'm very um, excited about that process. Um, we've been reviewing scripts and looking at um, casting charts and everything. Uh, so it's something I'm passionate about um, the getting done. Like I said, not for me selfishly, just because I think that, you know, the movie is going to help people and help people overcome some tough situation and just show them that if they push through, man, it's some gold on the internet, that, that, that tunnel. Awesome. I'm going to connect with you offline about, uh, about your book and about the movie, but I want to thank you for coming out on the show. Uh, this has been a really fun interview and I think that, uh, any, any entrepreneur or any athlete can learn from your story and, and be motivated about the act as if mindset and learn from your journey. And so I'm excited to see your book become a movie, but, and your, your life story be out there more. So Gary, I want to thank you for coming out on business Ninja radio. Uh, and you know, and in, any last words of advice? I think we, we said it, man. You know, hard right. work beats talent. So that's it. Work hard work smart, man. Get it done. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Now go out and do something. Thank you for listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with Tyler Jorgensen. Please make sure to subscribe so you're first to hear new interviews and episodes. If you found this podcast to be valuable, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to visit our online dojo at bizninja.com to claim your reward for listening to the show.